Yes, sir. And then the Bible goes on to say, eh, hey, if you are obedient, you are calling the Bible Alaba Shake Bredo Sokolo. Hey! Hallelujah! Ah, no, let's do this thing. Give me First Peter chapter 3. I feel the anointing to teach this thing. The light, if the light goes on, it's not enough. It's not enough for the light to go on. The Bible says the light shines. It shines. No, my light will not just go on. No, my light will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your light, no, no, no. It's, it's not enough that you look before. And he has put all things under his sight, under his sight, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout, it's under my feet. to meet and to begin learning what's on your heart. I will ask that the spirit of wisdom be stirred among us and the power to desire the deep things of God should lead us into the manifestation, the purest and most accurate form of ministry. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. All right, so... Uh, this is Ministry 101, and I'll tell you that the more I have been growing spiritually, because growth is an ongoing process, the more I grow up spiritually, the more my understanding of ministry, the more my understanding of serving God uh, increases. So... Sometimes you find that what I taught last time mm, gets an upgrade. And so it's always important to know um, the next thing that the Spirit of God is communicating. All right. Now, in the New Testament, when we read the Bible, we find that there's Normally, one word for the word ministry, diakonia, from the same root word where we get the word deacon. And it basically means to, number one, distribute. Or number two, to serve. To distribute and to serve. That's basically what ministry is. The question is to distribute what? And to serve what? The Bible says Jesus Christ began his ministry at 30. That is to mean Jesus Christ began his distribution. Jesus Christ began his serving at 30. So ministry is about serving and distributing uh, and also this this kind of serving and distributing is so unique that you have to be trained for it 
If you are going to serve in the military, for example, you will have to be trained. Having a desire to be a soldier is not enough. That's good. But you have to be trained. Because there are a number of things that are involved. If we just take you out there, you may make blunders. See that? And so you are trained to wake up early in the morning. You are trained to constantly be in uniform. You are trained how to wield a gun. Uh, you are trained on how to receive orders and what makes you different from a civilian. You are trained to endure tough beatings. You are trained to listen to a gunshot and not be shaken. Otherwise, you hear a gunshot and you cry far and call your mother in the village, but you are in Sierra Leone. And so you have to be trained on how to lose that civilianness. See that? It is uh, doing ministry is like a profession. If you are going to be a doctor, you have to be trained for the first few years on just understanding processes that happen in cells, in plants and animals. And then that changes to how those things happen in human beings. <clears throat> and you begin learning uh, different tools that are used to do operations. You are, you are taught how to diagnose um, a sickness, how to dif di differentiate one sickness from the other, what you look for. And it takes seven years to be trained just so that you can serve in a hospital. If you are going to be trained to be a lawyer, if you are at the University of Zambia, you are given um, to first do what we call Bachelor of Arts non-quarter, where you prove that you are worthy to study the law. By the way, if you didn't study, it doesn't mean you are worthy. That's according to their system. And when you pass that, you also have to prove again between second year and fourth year that you are worthy and you are capable. <clears throat> you are worthy and you are capable of staying in it. So they change your pass mark from 40% to 50%. That's one of the first things that they do. If you get 40%, you are failed. If you get 50%, that's when you have zero, zero points. See, so they begin training you in legal process, in contracts, in when you are done, you get to Ziali. Ziali, they teach you ethics. They teach you uh, practice. They teach you the documents you draft and, and advocacy skills just so that you can stand in the courts. That's after about five years uh, to seven years of being trained. Some people go up to eight years, some nine, some ten, depending on the competence they show on the training ground. So... That's just so that they can serve in the courts because it's difficult to stand before a judge if you have not been exposed. You have difficulties because the courts are very strict and rigid places of practice and you have to be trained or else you may lose a whole case that involves millions of US dollars just because you did not get trained on how to... Let me give you an example. In court, you can have a true, uh, you can have a true situation. You can have a true grievance at law. Uh, let's say your rights to freedom of expression, or your right to freedom of conscience, or your right to privacy was infringed, 
and then you want to sue someone in court, there is how to sue. You need to be trained to know how to sue. So let's say you need documents to properly sue, then you get a writ of summons or you get an originating notice of motion or you get an originating summons and then you fill it in and you take it before a judge. What happens is that suit is going to be what we call stricken out or it's going to be thrown out of court simply because you did not start it correctly. Not because you don't have a situation that happened, but because you used a wrong form of commencement. Whereas you're supposed to go by way of petition, you go by way of writ of summons, originating notice of motion, originating summons. So you find that your whole case is thrown out and you continue suffering injustice simply because you did not know that when it comes to the enforcement of rights that are in the Bill of Rights of the Constitution, you don't go by writ of summons, originating notice of motions, originating summons, but you go by way of petitions. So you get to lose out. And if the other side has got a, a, a smart lawyer, they can wait for you to go to court just so that the judge can throw you away. And then when the judge throws you away, the judge won't just throw your case away. They will throw your case away with costs. That means for wasting the court's time and for dragging the other party to court while starting using the wrong form of commencement, you are going to pay for it so that you don't waste the court's time again and did not inconvenience people with your ignorance. So you pay. Yes, that's what the law is about. So your matter is dismissed with costs. This is why we do not encourage people to go to court. Because if you go to court and you don't know what you're doing, let me give you an example. Your lawyer is ignorant or you are ignorant. So what happens is you, you, uh, the guy that you are suing pays me, let's say 30,000 kwacha plus disbursements. That means 30,000 kwacha in legal fees uh, plus the amount that I'm using on fuel, on paper, to buy a drink as I am studying, okay? And then you happen to lose. It means you lose out, number one, on the money that you paid your lawyer. Then number two, if I'm awarded costs, it means that you have to pay the person you sued, the money they spent on me, or the, the whole 30,000 kwacha, which they spent on me, you have to pay. Yes, that's how the law works. So you have to understand what you are doing. Uh, otherwise, people lose out a lot of money. You know? So you have to be trained at least to appear there. Otherwise, you will be a casualty financially, emotionally. Somebody say, I hear you. There is a need for training. Now, imagine if you are going to, you just love people. Then just because you love people, are you going to help someone in a cesarean section to give birth because you love people? <laughs> it's not enough to love people. You have to be trained. I'm making a case for the fact that there are a lot of people who just have a passion for ministry, but they are not trained. So they end up being victims. They end up being victims of the enemy victims of their own own lusts and victims of the enemy many end up serving the enemy because you see the passion that we have 
and the gifts that we have will never leave us. They will never leave us. That's what Romans chapter 8, verse, uh, uh, I mean chapter 28, verse 11, 11 verse 28 rather means when it says, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance or irrevocable. That is to mean God never takes away our gifts. So we'll still feel like we have our voice. We still feel like we want to preach, even if we are not trained. You know, sometimes people get into ministry and they're messed up. They've got emotional issues they're dealing with. Some people have all these lusts they're dealing with, but they still want to serve God. And so they end up being hybrids. Some of them end up you know, doing blunders. Some of them end up being uh, 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 agents of the enemy. You need to be trained. And so the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some prophets, uh, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors, uh, for the work of ministry, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. And so we are sent, we who are men and women of God, who are called in what we call the fivefold. He says he gave, gave number one, some to be apostles, number two, some to be prophets, number three, some to be evangelists, number four, some to be teachers, number five, some to be pastors. That forms up what we call ministry gifts or what we call uh, the fivefold ministry. Okay, it's not the only one that is there, but the Bible says these were called for the equipping of the saints. That's generally everybody who is saved to equip them, to prepare them for the work of ministry. Now, it is not to prepare them necessarily for ministry because you, the ability to go out and do ministry is in everyone who is saved. The Bible says, the, the, the manifestation of the spirit. Ministry is a manifestation of the spirit. You can write that down. It's a distribution of the manifestation of the spirit. Ministry, number one, is a distribution or a serving of the manifestation of the spirit. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the spirit is given to everyone, to profit everyone. That means there's not one single person who does not have the ability to manifest the spirit. We manifest a side of God in very many different ways. And the gifts of the spirit are not just nine. There are many. When you read the Bible, you discover that there are actually many and we'll get into that. But what I'm trying to tell you is what we prepare you for is not ministry because you already have it. What we prepare you for is the work of ministry. There's a difference. It means somehow people know what to do. A lot of people know what to do. There are few who don't know. Many people don't know how to do it. And that is where we come in. That's where we, are, we were sent. So that we train you to do the work of ministry. Somebody say, I hear you. I said 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Yeah. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone to profit everyone. That's what the Bible says. 
And so you need to be trained. The Bible says he gave them for the training of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the training of the saints, for the work of ministry. We need to teach you ethics. We need to teach you how to serve God properly. How to serve God properly. How far you can go. Where you need to come, you know, to come out of. Where you can sit and where you can go ahead and serve God. You need to be trained in those things. And this is why we are bringing you here. We also need to teach you different forms of ministry and how they come in. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, we teach you how to go about ministry and not ministry itself is because any person who comes in contact with God at any point, any person who comes in contact with God at any point has a very interesting relationship with God that will produce fruit. And when we begin mingling with God, it's very difficult to not be in ministry. You can write that down. It's very, it's nearly impossible to mingle with God and not do ministry. It's nearly impossible. To mingle with God and not do ministry. It's nearly impossible to mingle with God to be saved and not do ministry. I remember in 2016, I got a friend of mine saved. It was, it was an interesting period of time. So there's this uh, friend of mine. I led him to Christ. The following Sunday, I took him to church. And immediately, when he was seeing the woman of God in front preaching, uh, he was like, you know what? I keep seeing myself in front and preaching and doing what that woman is preaching. I was like, okay, this guy is saved. Because the moment you are saved, there's a part of you that wants to do ministry. But a lot of times people don't know how to do that ministry. And this is why the training is very important. And in the, in the training, we teach you how. Obviously, we touch on what ministry is. But even when we touch, we touch on what ministry is, you discover you already knew it. You discover you already knew it. But the question is, how do you do that ministry? Because how you do that ministry distinguishes you as a, as a, as a minister who is perfect or who is mature. And also, it makes your ministry acceptable. How you do ministry determines your acceptability of that ministry or a lack thereof. How you do your ministry determines the acceptability of that ministry or a lack thereof. Matthew chapter 7. Whether your ministry is going to be accepted or not is dependent on how you do it. Please never forget this. Please. Whether your ministry becomes accepted or not is determined by how you do it. Not, that, not whether you did it or not. <laughs> Let me show you. 
Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. And we're going to read I'll begin from verse 15. Let's try the Passion Translation. It says, Constantly be on your guard against phony prophets. They come disguised as lambs, appearing to be genuine, but on the inside they are like wild ravenous wolves. You can spot them by their actions, for the fruits of their character will be obvious. Now, a false prophet, in the context of Matthew chapter number 7 is not even one who's working by an evil spirit. And I want you to follow me very closely. No. What makes them a false prophet is not because they were not using the name of Jesus. What makes them a false prophet is that their character is rotten. There's something ungodly about how they live their lives. There's something unchristian about how their lives manifest. There's something in divine and heavenly about how they go about life. It says, for the fruit, fruits of their character will be obvious. Then he says, you won't find sweet grapes hanging on a thorn bush, and you'll never pick good fruit from a tumbleweed. So if the tree is good, it will produce good fruit. But if the tree is bad, it will bear only rotten fruit, and it deserves to be cut down and burnt. Look at the obvious fruit of their lives and ministries. Are you seeing that? Look at the obvious lives and at, at the obvious fruit of their lives and ministries. And then you know whether they are true or false. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the realms of heaven's kingdom. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It is only those who persist in doing the will of the Heavenly Father. Then he gets to the most striking part and he says, On the day of judgment, many will say to me, many will say to me, meaning these people have an opportunity to stand before God, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles for the sake of your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels or you workers of iniquity. Like other people say, I have never been joined to you or I never knew you. Mm. Mm. I'm what I'm telling you is what determines a false prophet or a false member or a false minister is not... The fact that they are saying in the name of Satan. Because remember, these guys will be pleading before Jesus. And they'll be showing him videos of their lives. Says, no, we are not in hell. We are not in the clubs. Weren't we saying in the name of Jesus, come out. And the demons left. Weren't we saying in the name of Jesus, be healed. And wasn't the person healed? Weren't we giving people prophetic words, dreams, and visions using the gifts of the Spirit? And they were, because they were not using a demon. These guys are not confused. But then Jesus Christ gives the criteria and the criterion to know them. 
above before we reach 722. He says, you shall know them by their fruit, how they live their lives. Mm. This is very important because this is where a lot of ministers miss it. Many will say, Lord Jesus, I was not an usher at a club. I was an usher at Hof. <clears throat> I used to connect instruments and play them at Hof. I used to serve you, but he said, I never knew you. Because you are a worker of iniquity. So, the character and fruit of an individual is more important when it comes to eternity. than your gift your fruit your fruit your fruit your character to god is more important than the flamboyance of your gift because you can heal the sick raise the dead prophesy cast out demons and still go to hell you can play the keyboard you can sing mightily you even cause people to be healed as you are doing it and still go to hell. Mm. You see, you see what? If I if I called, let's say, a keyboardist from any secular band, they can come to church, learn a song quickly, and play it so excellently that we even get emotion. And you realize that when you play it, you're not different from them. But are they going to heaven? The manifestation of a gift, either at a spiritual level or at, at, at a talent level, is not enough to get you to heaven. How you live your life is very important to the acceptability of your ministry. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That means you really can't, you actually can't, in the spirit, you actually can't separate your ministry from your life. You actually can't separate your ministry from your life. You can't. You can't belong to two places at once. Because if you're going to be doing ministry, you're even casting out demons, you're even raising the dead, you're even doing the things that we do in church, but your life is rotten, your ministry is not going to be accepted. Your ministry is going, not going to be accepted. That already tells you that there are two forms of ministry. There's ministry that flows out of being gifted, number one. And then there's ministry that flows out of a relationship with God. There's ministry that flows out of being gifted. And ministry that flows out of a relationship with God. 
It's possible for you to be gifted by God. And as you begin to demonstrate God or to distribute God or do ministry, you are doing it without God. You can do ministry without God. But you can also do ministry as you are gifted by God within the leading and relationship within the ambits of the, re- of, of, of the leading and your relationship with God. And you see, this is, this is why you need to be trained. Because it's not enough to be gifted. It's not enough to desire to do the right thing. You need character. Otherwise, you'll bring the name of God into disrepute, number one. And number two, you destroy your life for eternity. You need to be trained on how to do ministry. And so this is where now we begin discussing ministry as an offshoot of your relationship with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.